Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. We're in our second week looking at stewardship and giving and finances and joining in the generosity of God. So Jay's going to share today and then Colt Westbrook is going to preach next week. But I'm going to introduce Jay real quick. Those of you that do not know Jay Barnett, just a little bit about him. He served as a Marine, a policeman. Now he's an attorney. He helps us with our security and safety around here at All Saints. And the brother is an intercessor. So what a variety of things that he embodies, and we're grateful for him. He loves the church. He and his family love the church. So Jay, why don't you come up, and we're grateful to you. All you. Thanks, brother. Man, uh, what a privilege. You know, Brock uh, initially brought this up. My first thought was, well, you know, my heart kind of stopped. And he told me I was going to be talking about giving. My heart sunk. Um, you know, I mean, who, who asked an attorney to, to talk on giving? Everybody knows we live on the blood of our clients. So, I mean, what, how much credibility can you have there? But, um, but it is. This is a, this is a hard topic. It, it, it's... Um, but I would suggest to you this morning that, that it is a topic that is pervasive in Scripture. And that, uh, so it, it's been uh, abused uh, a lot like uh, we, what we've seen with spiritual gifts. Um, and I love that I'm in a church that, that we teach the full counsel of Scripture. We don't come up to hard places and go, ah, Let's move past that. Let's avoid it. Let's, let's move on to other fun stuff. That's, that's not the word of God. The word of God has, God has some hard spots and we got to work through those together. And I'm going to tell you, when we don't, our kids see it and Satan comes in and will undermine their faith with it, right? So we're going to touch on giving. We're going to talk about that because, and, and I, I want to go ahead and put that first slide up. No, that's the title. That's good. That's my title. If you didn't know, now you know. There we go. So let's start here because this can get really heavy. Um, this can be, it just can land hard. And, and we, we need to remember this piece, that everything that's coming from the Lord we, comes through this filter. So if you would just turn with me real quick in your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. To 30. So Jesus is, says, um, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son will reveal to him. Hear this plea Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So anything that comes from me this morning, you need to know that this is a walk we're walking together. I'm preaching to myself. Um, as much as I am to you, this process, this walk of yielding um, what, what we have been given to Stuart is a lifelong process that we are all, it's a road that we're all on. And if it starts feeling, if you start condemnation, not from God. Guilt, not from God, right? His gentle voice beginning to deal with you about things that you've taken on, on that are not yours, that need to be his, that's him. Okay, that's what we're looking for this morning. And I desperately want to get this right. I'm going to tell you, I, I've done a lot of public speaking. This, this is really different though, right? I mean, I, I, uh, I've done, I thought, I look over at my mom and I'm thinking, yeah, I remember when I was done doing public information for the police department. And uh, at one point, because of an incident, I was live on Fox News and I thought, man, my mom and dad can die happy. Um, you know, that's, that was it. Uh, this, this is not that. Right? When I look out over my brothers and sisters and I think about how deeply, passionately the Lord loves you and this task of, of telling you, of rightly dividing the word of God to you is, is a whole different thing, right? Um, so let's just, let's just uh, I just wanna commit that to prayer. You know, I, I saw Francis Chan once kneel up here and and man, and, and just say, Lord, just take this time. And man, if he can do it, boy, I sure need to. So, so Lord, I thank you. Man, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you, Father, for your deep love for them. Father, I pray that uh, in this time, Lord, that they don't need to hear me. Nobody here needs to hear me. But dear Jesus, we, we desperately need to hear from you. So Lord, come be with us and give me your words and help me to be faithful to your scripture. Touch people's hearts, Lord, and don't let us, don't let us not be changed. Amen. So the thing about giving, the thing that really hits home and the thing that you have to know is that, that giving is a function of stewardship. Stewardship is a function of lordship. The thing that's really important about giving is, is not the number. It's that it tells us where our heart is. Scripture is really clear on this point. When we look at what we're doing with the, with the resources that that God's given us, the things he's entrusted us with, it's, it is. It's just the surest barometer, it's the surest measure to tell us where we are, what our walk is with the Lord, right? What are we hanging on to? What are we claiming is ours? What will we surrender to his? So um, I think a, a really great place to start then, because that can, that can become, when we're talking about our, particularly about our money, let's um, it can get heavy. So let's go to slide number two and let's move over to Psalm 
chapter 50, uh, verses 7 to 12. Hopefully people are starting to bring our Bibles, right? Because having a Bible, reading it, living in it, it's a daily discipline that we talk about around here all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, bringing it to church, big deal. Um, and, and I also want to be clear as we talk about this. I want to, you know, a few weeks ago, um, we, we got to get the order of this right. So that's part of the reason we're going to talk first about what is God's, right? That it is all his, because we've got to get the order right. Um, Claire Wisbrook preached a sermon a few weeks ago about getting the order right, understanding that God's goodness, his mercy, who he is precedes our response, our appropriate response. It was awesome. I've re I referred multiple people to it. I would strongly recommend if you missed it, go back, listen to it. And I want to say something. I am so grateful that I am in a body where I get to sit under the teaching of people like Claire Westbrook and Connie Williams, uh, Williams and Kaylee Markham and Esther Kerr. They have been an incredible blessing to me and I am so, so grateful I get to be in a place that hands them the microphone and allows them to use that gift so that I can be enriched. Um, so let's, let's go to Psalm, so it's all his, uh, 50, Verse 7, hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices, and your burnt offerings are continually before me. I shall take no young bull out of your house, no male goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. Guys, our Father has it all. That is a, that is a, a, a principle that is backed up again in uh, Psalms chapter 24, 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. You need to know that the Father, first and foremost, the Father from whom you're receiving, the Father that we're looking to for our provision, it's all His. The invitation this morning is not that, that God or the message is not, hey, you need to give to God from what is yours because God needs it. Let me tell you something, family. The kingdom of God is coming into the earth and he doesn't need your tithe to do it. The invitation to give is an invitation to participate in what God is doing. It is an invitation, it is a loving, and we're gonna get into this more, but it is a loving invitation from a God who desires fellowship with you and desires and has learned your trust and your love and your devotion, okay, to participate with him. It is not because he needs what you have, it's all his, and the kingdom of God is coming into the earth with you or without you. That's happening. I don't care what you see in, in, in common or in, in, on social media or in the world right now. I know how dark things look. We've referred to that. I'm telling you, okay, we're on the winning side. The kingdom of God is overwhelming the earth. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're on the right side, and this is an invitation to participate in that. So, and, and, and the other thing that you need to know is that God is, is lavish 
in his provision, right? So he takes from what's his, and we see this again throughout scripture. We see it in his promises to, um, to the Israelites as they're coming into the promised land. We see it in the life of Christ. Uh, repeatedly, he's telling us, not only is it all mine, but I love giving it to you. So when you look at uh, the, 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 the miracle, right, of, of the turning water into wine at Cana of Galilee, we have Jesus at a party with his people, with, with people, right? And he takes, and he doesn't just satisfy the request, right? He meets it abundantly, 12 pots of the best wine. There's just not a clearer picture of the heart of God to me than that. That's how he responds. People need to be fed, right? And, and he recognizes, he knows the physical need. And so he takes a few loaves and he turns them to a few loaves and some fish and he feeds 4,000 and he feeds 5,000 and there's an abundance left over. Guys, I'm telling you, meeting the physical needs is not hard. That is the message throughout scripture. In fact, I'm gonna quote something for you, the scripture. Um, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can somebody tell me where that comes from? Come on. Come on, I do this for people. This is the reason I speak up from here on the third row because I know that nobody else will. Come on, where, where is that? Do what? Jesus in the wilderness. That's the first place most people associate. Is that the first place that appears in scripture? Where's the first place that appears in scripture? Deuteronomy. There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Brock paying, repaying the favor here. I got to keep an eye on the clock that I can't see. Um, okay, so... So Jesus in the wilderness um, pulls together the truth. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter eight, right? God is telling the people, the children of Israel, some really important stuff here, okay? And it is for us this morning. He is saying, listen, you walked in the wilderness for 40 years and your clothes didn't wear out and you ate manna from heaven and I provided water when you needed it. He knows we have physical needs and he's being clear over and over and over again that he is attuned to that and he's going to meet those needs. He knows that we have need of these things. Um, go ahead and pop up, next slide. I hope it's the right one. Yeah, there we go. Um, so two passages, it's a, it's a really lengthy, I, I would encourage you to go through the entire thing. Uh, from Matthew 6 and 7, where Jesus is saying, and I'm, I'm going to, I mean, look at this, feel this, feel the heart of God here, okay? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor about what you will put on. It is, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep, I'm sorry, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you, are you not more valuable than they? He knows whatever it is that's popping into your mind this morning about your physical needs, okay, about your financial needs, I'm telling you, he knows and from his abundance, is willing and able and desirous 
to provide abundantly. You need to know that fact. God does not ignore that, but follow what he says next. Because on top of this, right, so is, is this, this constant admonition. What's the rest of it? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, don't feel under condemnation if you mess this up because the disciples did. Um, Jesus is warning the disciples in um, somewhere in my notes. Uh, yeah, there we go. Matthew, Matthew 16, right? Jesus has already shown the disciples repeatedly his ability to provide. By the way, one of the other ways he provided, right? Taxes from the mouth of a fish, okay? Taxes that needed to be paid. He tells Peter to go out and go fishing and that there'll be a coin to pay the tax in, a, in excess actually of the tax found in the, front, in the mouth of the first fish he catches. That, I mean, follow the, the provision, the physical provision is so easy. Right? And he's telling us this over and over again to get our eyes off of it. But even the disciples, knowing all this, having seen all this, Jesus is warning them about the leaven of the, uh, about the sin, about the, the lie that is interwoven with the teaching of the Pharisees. And he's telling his disciples to be careful of it, right? And where does their head go? Oh, we forgot the bread. We, we messed up, we forgot, oh, he's talking about the bread, he's mad about the bread. And Jesus tells them, it's like, stop it. I mean, I've done this, we've covered this. You've seen me provide. That's not what I'm talking about. You need my words. My words are the bread of life to you. They are living water to you. That's the end of Matthew, that's the Matthew 6, that these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first my voice, make that my priority. I promise you, hear me church this morning. I don't know where you are right now, but I'm telling you, God has you. And it's not dependent on your righteousness. It's not dependent on your goodness. It's not even dependent on you getting it. Jesus built a church on these guys in the boat that thought Jesus was mad because he forgot the bread. I mean, wow, he can use you. He's gonna use you, seek first the kingdom, seek his voice, seek his word. Because that's the only place, like we know, we've seen God, lo God loves a cheerful giver, cheerful giver, right? That second part, right? Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, guys, follow this, listen to this, listen to Jesus talking to your heart this morning. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, that's you, spirit of adoption, Romans chapter eight, right? Join heirs with Jesus. This is your, this is who you are. This is your identity, okay? Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, would give him a stone, or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
That's, that's to you. That's to you. That's God's heart for you, right? The God who turns water to wine, who pays taxes from the mouth of a fish, who feeds thousands from a few loaves and some bread, and, or some from bread and some fish, right? This is him talking to you saying, bring it to me, whatever it is. Um, and how do you give joyfully? Well, you give joyfully if you, only if you know this, right? That's how you give joyfully. You give joyfully when you know that, that you're hearing God. You're not giving from guilt. You're not giving from obligation. You're giving because God's spoken to you and said, I've provided you these resources, okay? And, and, and I want you to steward them well. And I want you to steward some of it by, by doing this with it, by tithing, by giving offerings. And you can do so joyfully because it doesn't even matter what the number is. You know that you've heard from God and you're doing what he said to do and he has you. You are his child. This is your inheritance. So all of a sudden your hands go from clenched to being open because, because you have that assurance, right? That's where that comes from. Why do I focus on this so hard? So, well, let's see, I've got, I think I see 11.46 up there. Man, it was, some things about being younger were great. <clears throat> we know God's generous, right? We know he knows our needs. We know he's committed to providing for them so we can freely give. And I want you to see something else here. And that is that don't make the mistake of thinking that this is a quid pro quo type of thing, right? We want a formula. Formulas provide some of the worst doctrine, some of the most heretical teaching. Um, and, and by the way, if I say something that that is out of line, you know, Brock will bonk me later. It's not his fault. But, um, but, but this isn't, you know, where it's easy for me to think in mathematical terms. X is where we give. Y is God's multiplying effect. Function is time, right? So when we give, it's like God's a giant super CD, okay? And, and so we're looking for, this is what we want. This is what our flesh, let me rephrase that. This is what our flesh wants, okay? This is what our distrust of God wants. Our distrust of God wants us to give and know that in a certain time, God's gonna return, God's going to return that, okay? And it's gonna be an abundance of exactly what we invested in. That is not the promise, okay? The promise is that as you give, okay, of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, of your influence, the things under, that are under your control. And by the way, so we're talking about money. Yes, we are, but we're talking about everything. Everything within your sphere of control is what you steward and is what to be submitted to God, right? So as you surrender that, God's gonna give back to you, okay, in, in great, good measure, according to his goodness, according to his kindness, according to his mercy, he is going to give back to you. That is the promise. Exactly what that looks like is up to him. And that's how we want it. We really do. Because God is so much better at knowing what we need and giving to us than we are at telling him. That's one of the scriptures here in Matthew 6. He knows what he, we need before we even ask. 
right? So trust, so the trust, right, is, is that I'm just gonna give, right? That's where we wanna be. My hands are open. All that's mine is yours. Lord, take it, right? And I trust you. I know you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna bring it back to me. Press down, overflowing. It's who he is, it's his nature. He can't be anything else, it's who he is. That's your promise. Why do I focus on this so much? Because I spent a lot of years, I've grown up in the church, I'm grateful for that heritage. I wanna be very, very clear on that point. But 50 years in, I was at a spot where I felt very clearly God had led me a certain path into private practice, no question about it. And um, it, a couple, three months in, it wasn't going well. And I was in a place, uh, it's hard as 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 a parent, as a husband, where Um, I mean, it was just crazy. Like literally checks were getting lost in the mail. And, you know, we were down. We had spent, you know, a big chunk of our savings to get me through law school. This was not what it was supposed to look like. We were in a tough spot. And uh, I remember exactly where I was. I was pulling into the garage and, and I broke down and I was like, God, you know, I've got a bunch of life insurance you know, if I, rather than sit down and have this conversation with my family where I, where I talk about the fact that we're, we're probably going to have to really cut back um, into some things that matter. And I just, I can't tell you how that was breaking my heart to think about having that conversation with them. And I was just, I was shattered. And I said, God, you know, I've got all this life insurance. Why don't you just why don't you just take my life? If you're not going to, I don't know what else to do. I think that I've done what you've told me to do. By the way, this was just maybe a week after just an incredible move of God where he had shown me so clearly how intimately he had been involved in bringing me to this point. It was, I won't have time to go into it, but it was unmistakable. And here I am, right? Um, thinking God's going to have to kill me to provide for my family. He got me through that point. Um, a couple of days later, um, I was I was sitting and praying and and um, and and I said, "Okay, uh, Lord, it, it's yours." And um, I, I can't. I, I, I yield to you this area of being the provider for my family. Um, and uh, as I'm sitting there, like. My phone rings. Now, don't hear the formula. Don't do that, okay? Uh, and I had actually sat, it was Sunday afternoon, and it was Mike Adell. Mike Adell had talked about listing out your needs. And I mean, I had. And I was like, we are in a hole. And this is how deep it is, Lord. And this is what we need. And I was about to write, it was like, I need a financial. I was about to write a miracle, and my phone rang. And it was my first really, my truly big pain case that then created a domino effect um, to where my, my small business commercial practice litigation launched. Okay. Um, I'm going to bookmark right there. Okay. And come back to that in a minute. So let's talk about 
where this whole thing of 10% comes from. What time is it? 11.52? Okay, all right, gonna have to move here. So let's go over to Genesis uh, 14, 19 and 20. So a lot of people think, you know, well, you know, gosh, I don't need to tithe. This, I've heard this, it's not true, okay? But I've heard this, right? That, that uh, we're not under the law anymore, so tithe isn't necessarily a thing. And I want you to see that tithe is actually a thing that is written on our heart. It's what, in the law, we refer to this thing, there's a discussion about natural law. Is there this basic thing, this law that is written on our hearts the world, the seculars have rejected that, starting with legal real, actually Marxism into legal realism, critical theory, first part of the century. Uh, the secular world has rejected this idea of natural law, says we don't have anything written on our hearts, we just write the law and it's a tool of oppression. I won't go down that road, but, but, uh, but scripture's really very clear that there are these truths that are written on our hearts because we see before the law, uh, before Moses, several hundred years before Moses, about 500 years before Moses, here's Abraham. And let's go and let's look, take a look at what's happened. Abraham has just gone and retrieved his family uh, from some evil kings that had been uh, really extremely uh, busy and, and successful in, in, uh, in, in terrorizing the land. And he's defeated them and he's bringing the plunder back. So chapter, or verse 17, then after this is return, are we there? Okay. After his return from the, the defeat of Chedorlaomer, man, that'll humble you. And the kings were, who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, that's a whole other discussion, king of Salem brought out bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, right? So we go back. This is basically my outline. Who is God? Possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. That's before the law. This is the natural response. This is Abraham's recognition that of what I have, of what God has given me, I owe this. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, give the people to me and take, me, take the goods for yourself. Abram, had, Abraham said, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything of that which is yours, for fear, you would say, I have made Abram rich. In this moment, we see Abraham knew some things. Number one, it's all God's. That's where his wealth came from. Number two, it's all God's. And my wealth is dependent on absolutely no one else. I can give away part of what, I, part of what I've taken today. I can let you have back what's yours. My wealth is not dependent on that. My wealth, my provider is the Lord right? And a tenth of it is his. So you see that again, that, that is a principle that, that is, so we see the affirmation of the natural law actually in, in the, the, the uh, uh, in Mosaic law. Um, and, and even before that, you see where Jacob uh, in Genesis 28, 20 to 22, pledges 
Uh, again, in Leviticus chapter 27, Nehemiah 1038, uh, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Guys, these principles are pervasive. They are everywhere in scripture. It is coming at us over and over again. Okay, make no mistake. All right, I will, I will tell you that, that, that simply, if you didn't know before, you know now, 10% is, it's a, you, you, I would encourage you to engage in grace giving, okay? And, and in asking God what your tithe is supposed to be and where your offerings are supposed to go. But 10% is a benchmark that is pervasive throughout scripture and it still applies today, right? It's what keeps the lights on here, okay? We see it in the early church, okay? We, we should be good providers. And we have to be, we're, when, when, uh, uh, when we see tithe disgust, we always see it brought, brought into the temple, um, except for one spot when, where basically there, there's a provision where, uh, you know, if you're essentially in the Australian outback and you don't have a church to go to, God talks about what you do with your tithe, but it's his, it belongs here. It belongs under the authority of the elders and pastor of this church, that's scripture. Okay, the 90%. So go ahead and put up slide number five. So here we see Jesus at, uh, okay, I think we're one forward or one back. Yep, there we go. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all things he is doing. A couple of days after that miracle, because that's what it was. Um, I was sitting with God and as he does, he was lovely and confronting me and showing me and saying, you know, I, showing me, I was like, Jay, what does it say about what you understood about me to think that the only way I could provide for your family was to kill you, right? What does it say about how I feel about you? What does it say about my commitment, not just to provide for you, but to provide for your wife and your children? I love them too, right? And I, and I was just repenting, you know, God's kindness leads us to repentance. And I said, okay, God, be the provider, be the provider. And I had a vision of God going and getting under the hood of the car. And this is something that, is it straight up 12 o'clock? Wow, okay, that went fast, man. All right, I'm gonna blaze. And it reminded me of something my dad used to do. Uh, my dad would invite me to work on the car with him. And I finally at that moment understood that my dad's purpose was not just for me to learn to work on cars, it was to be in fellowship with him. It was to learn how he worked. It was to see what he was doing. And the invitation 
was not to sit back and watch God. It was to join God in what he was doing in providing for my family, right? Nicodemus, can I, deal, can I do Nicodemus real quick? Okay, not Nicodemus, so Joseph of Arimathea. I think one of the, one of the most poorly understood scriptures in Bible is about the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and we know that story and, and he says, I've kept the law. Um, what else do I need to do? And Jesus eventually tells him, you know, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. I think we understand wealth wrong through that. I would ask that we look rather at Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea, we know, was a wealthy man. He was an influential man. He, was a, he held a prominent place on the council. Um, and he followed Jesus in secret. So he had heard that to follow Jesus, you must take up your cross and follow me. He had heard that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven, and yet continued to follow in secret until, and he's mentioned in all four Gospels, he witnesses the crucifixion of Christ. And at that moment, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate, places his own life on the line, asks for the body of Christ. He violates the law. He touches the dead body of Christ. Been a major point of contention between Christ and, and, and between Jesus and, and the Sanhedrin. He puts Jesus in his own tomb. <sighs> Knowing that the Sanhedrin were watching. We know this from scripture because we know that the Sanhedrin assigned guards to go to the tomb. He places his wealth, his life, his influence, all at risk. And the thing that you need to see, the thing that you got to take away this morning is it's not the risen Jesus to whom Joseph of Arimathea responds. The disciples were not even sitting outside the tomb expecting Jesus to rise. The thing that grabbed a hold of Joseph of Arimathea's heart was not the victorious Savior ascending into heaven or the risen Savior. It was the broken. It was the scarred, torn, pierced. Lamb of God. who had given his all. It was that Jesus. And it's the crucified Jesus that this morning demands of us all our influence, our money, our business, that asks the question, that asks us to say only as we walk through this life, as we bring the kingdom of God into the earth with him, with our Father, what is he doing?
Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jay. Hey, I love it. We are in